3: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Red Men weekly podcast I'm Steve Hall here to bring you some clips from our best Red Men Plus content from the last week or so Say it every single time, but if you guys want these shows in full Redmenplus.com is the place to go If you sign up as a Legend subscriber, you'll also be entered into the rest of our Advent prize draws We've given away some amazing prizes already to our Legend subscribers Including signed merchandise, we give away a signed day couch shirt on the watch along for the USG game, there's plenty more to come as well, including stuff signed by Jamie Carrier, Chris Kirkland and the Star Prize shirt signed by Liverpool defender Ibu Kanate. So, if you want to get yourselves involved, redmenplus.com is the place to go. Right then, let's crack on with the show. The first clip I'm going to bring you is from the final words after Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 2 1 last weekend. It was Dan Club. Abby Rudkin and Steve Plunkin, and yeah, here's what they had to say about the Reds and their big win at Sellers Park.
0: I guess the talking points really one was obviously Alison Becker being back so Ooh. soon. I think Ian Klopp said he trained on the Thursday and he was going to train on the Friday. But there's two sort of angles to this, I guess. I guess one of them is sort of he was
4: clearly ready. He's Alison Becker. Yeah, it, it's what you do. You can't you can't have the best goalkeeper in the world and think actually looks like he's fit. But we'll we'll stick with kaheem you know let's be honest this spell we've seen with kind hasn't been as fruitful as the last one you know we've, we've sat and discussed what the future looks like in previous shows alison Becker's Alison Becker if he's available you play him he's the best goalkeeper in the world and, and I'm sure we'll get on to his input into yeah. the game but I don't think that that's a decision you can it doesn't take very long to make that choice, does it?
0: That's exactly it, isn't I'm I'll, I'll stick with you on it as well, because Steve's right. You know, they probably were quite surprised by his sort of recovery because I think the initial thought to it might be maybe Manchester United game, he might not even make that one. All of a sudden we're hearing his training, he's posting on Instagram pictures of his gloves everyone going, hang on a minute, like he could be back here. And Steve's yeah. right, like when Alison Becker is ready, he plays because yeah. you can't have Alison Becker ready and take him and sit him on the bench or not take him, it just it just can't happen. Happen, can it?
5: I think Klopp said it was touch and go for the Man United game so I just wasn't expecting it at all but that's exactly what you want to be seeing going into these games after the way Kelleher performs. I honestly think if Kelleher would have done a few okay performances maybe you wouldn't have risked them for this game but it was shocking like a few of his performances were shocking that my nerves were just going and I just thought just put Alisson in even if it's 80% of Alisson Becker you just know it's probably it's probably going to be world class anyway so and obviously he has a he has a brilliant game I mean he doesn't save the penalty but no. can't blame him for that
0: no absolutely and we'll touch on his, his exploiting the game in a moment um, the other talking point Steve was Javel Quanta really now again his angles. So this- this one if you like now it could be as simple as you know we need to rotate our defenders so Quanta gets a game it could be even as simple as Joel Quanta was the right man for the job however a little sort of a little piece of me a little sort of mischievous piece of me thinks that Klopp was asked about signing a new centre-back in January in his press conference because of Joel Matip injury mm-hmm. and he immediately kind of hit back at and so no we don't need one you know like doubling down on Quanta and then it just so happens he starts in a couple of days time before that was interesting
4: yeah it was um but i think he's there on merit to be honest with you and and on the centre back thing Nat Phillips' loan runs out to celtic in uh, first week of jan yes, so so he's back um at the club so we've got five centre half so i'm i'm a bit like that, whether we we're going to sign anyone anyway for that reason, and and Qantas probably solved that problem. And when he broke into the side, I remember being in here saying he might save us fifty million quid at some points in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that fifty million quid could be right now. Mm-hmm. In all in, in all, honesty. Um, I think he's there on merits. I think he shows an awful lot of promise. He's got lots of traits from Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. You know, from a distance, they almost have a very similar playing style, don't they? Um, he likes to step out with the ball as well, sort of Matip esque. Yes. Um, but but I think I think more of a concern for us would be the form of Canate potentially. And there's a reason why he came in and it wasn't Canate. You know, big big kudos to him. Massive show of faith to put yeah. two centre backs on the bench and play him. Yeah. and, and I, I think it's great I think it's really good for the football club I don't think he you know the, the penalty aside which is a bit of a weird one mm. um, I don't think he had a bad game I think he did very well and it bodes well for the future
0: Yeah absolutely I'll get your thoughts as well Abbey before we do get into the game itself because Steve's right and I've been really impressed by Joe Quan. so I've been a little bit surprised by actually how quickly he has developed into this because it didn't feel sort of coming into the season I was, I was pleasantly sort of pleased with what I've seen in pre-season but didn't expect him to have such a big role didn't expect him to be so impressive either but it is a show of trust from Jürgen Klopp to start him in this type of game of course and Steve mentions it there, obviously Canarte and Gomez both been on the bench, that speaks to how highly things are concert but does it also speak to the way we have to manage Canarte's minutes in particular because Steve mentions form and that's a conversation but for me it's actually more of a fitness concern we've got around Canarte especially now because we know we can't play him four, five, six games on the spin because he will break down
5: Mm, I think you can say that about a lot of them though like the likes of Gomez and obviously Matup's injured now as well as Canarte the injuries have always been an issue and if you've got the likes of Quanta coming in who might not be likely to get those sorts of injuries then it's great like I feel like I'm repeating myself saying it but if we'd have went and signed them for 40 million in the summer we'd have all been like wow that's amazing obviously Klopp knew something that we didn't know in the summer because I was shouting all over the place saying that we needed to centre off so I mean, Klopp knows a lot more than I do. Even with substitutes and stuff, I was I was having a go and he gets it right every single time. So, yeah, I'd definitely say it could be based on Canarte's form as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Gomez was sat there waiting to come on for Trent a lot of the time and, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say it's based on form. I don't want to rip Canarte too much, obviously, but... It's 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 not it's not the best, but Quanta is fine. But when you're next to Van Dijk, Van Dijk makes everyone look great, especially when he's coming back. To I'm sure we'll come on to it, but he's coming back to his form now, isn't he? Yeah. Having him and Alisson on the pitch, it's just you know it it's like of a, a old
0: yeah absolutely it is yeah and Alison Becker um, I just mentioned there he's one of the first big talking points of the game really because he makes an absolutely huge save and um, keep the score at nil-nil Jefferson Lerma at the back post um, stay, I'll come to you on it this is we've, we've kind of referenced it there in the opening gambit but this is why you put Alison Becker back into the team is it because when those big moments come along he, he stands up and he absolutely saves us once again if, ironically enough on the five year anniversary of the Napoli nights at Anfield when he definitely saves us then <laughs> (laughs)
4: Um, He did it again the weekend. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't even think Callagher gets anywhere near that ball. That's no disrespect to him. Alisson's just got this thing about reading the game and good goalkeepers go into spaces where where they think the ball's going to be early and for that reason he gets there. Obviously it pops up and it's cleared. Um, But we sit here every week and we talk about Alisson Becker saves and we talk about the best in the world. And we've become accepting of that fact that we're going to see one of these again, and that's a measure of his performances. That it's 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 normal, mm-hmm. it's almost normal. We give away chances. We know we give away chances. We all, we are always yeah. going to give away chances with the way we play, especially with the way the midfield set up. There's options to get at us a little bit. It's nice to have. In fact, it's wonderful to have that that sort of cushion at the back there, isn't it? And Abby alludes to the fact that when he comes in and Virgil comes in, it's like a team of old. Yeah it's an assurance it's a calmness and every time he does that all the players around him start to think Do you know we probably shouldn't let them get that chance but but he's got it covered he's ridiculous i think you know the conversation in lots of liverpool fans the old and the new is who's the greatest liverpool goalkeeper of all time and i don't think there's there's a hair's breadth between him and ray clements right now yeah. and longevity probably works in clements's favour mm-hmm. um that's high praise indeed for Allison because Ray Clement's is revered by most of the people who have been around Liverpool Football Club for years mm-hmm. as the best. Yeah. Um I think come the end of his career Alisson might be the best goalkeeper the Premier League's ever seen never mind Liverpool
0: No I tend to agree with you as well and I, you you touch on it there at the end Like there's still more to come isn't there clearly this season and beyond um, from Liverpool perspective so we're going to get more of these big moments but uh, again Steve kind of alludes to it I think Simicast after the game I haven't got the exact quote, so forgive me but I sense he said something very similar in terms of we feel safe when Alisson's behind us albeit we do concede these big moments because Alisson's there they're not big big moments mm. whereas we that was evidence when it was Kelleher because Liverpool's defence isn't watertight we don't like teams getting behind us. teams have half chances teams have, teams have moments and when it's Kelleher there's a good chance you might concede one or two of them we've seen that against Fulham especially Abbey but mm. if that's Alisson like it wasn't Saturday maybe we don't so we're doing him a disservice Kelleher but we're also not because we're talking about one of the very very best aren't we
5: exactly you can't come in second best to Alisson Becher for Liverpool. Like like there's, there's it's, it's sad, really, for the lads because he's great. And like I've said in previous previous shows, he could start for at least 10 to 15 Premier League yeah. sides. It's just a shame that he's sat on our bench, but not for us. Because, you know, he is great. It's just when you've got Alison Becker there, you can't expect him to be having two Alison Beckers on the bench. And you could sort of see when in the players, when Kelleher was playing, they would once he'd made a few mistakes, because everyone was a bit reluctant to pass it back to him and things like that. Everyone seemed a little bit nervy. But the moment Alison's there, mm. it's the same with me. The moment you see Alison's name on the team sheet, you just you feel relaxed. It's just like, oh, thank God for that. Even though the whole game I was sort of thinking to myself, like, no one hurt him. And I'm pretty sure Nunes jumped on him at one point when he made a big save. And I was thinking, why are you doing that? Don't <laughs> hurt him again. You know, we have just got to protect him at all costs. But yeah, it's def- it's it's huge that, that he's back.
3: Nice one to Dan, Abby, and to Steve for that one Let's move straight ahead to the Red Men Biased Football Podcast The one show week where we get to have a little chat about everybody else Sometimes laugh at them, sometimes give them praise And everything in between This time you've got Paul, Chris, Chris even Chloe and Dan having a big old chat about some of Liverpool's Premier League rivals
6: First and foremost, Arsenal um, squeaked Past Luton Dan, Mm -hmm. Um, Declan Rice with the last gas winner. It was so tantalizingly close. All they had to do was just head it away one more time. and they never had an Arsenal score and they got another one of those moments where they got super excited and tearful on the pitch. Uh, yeah, on them.
0: they do a lot of that, don't they? The old over-emotional celebrations and I think Spurs were guilty of that as well, early season all oh, that's come crashing down now, of course, certainly after their victory against us. But the Arsenal score interesting and I suppose all the conversations we're having now, whether it be here or with our friends or whatever... About Liverpool not really playing well and not clicking into gear yet still finding ways to win. I guess they were having after that Luton game, especially because they very much fell into that category um, for a short period of time there. And yeah, I suppose, again, we said it earlier on like that's the win, a sort of a championship side wins. So we're winning titles, that's yes. how you do it. Um, and Arsenal, again, did exactly the same thing, but for a moment there, it felt like. You know, the Luton stuff and our Luton result didn't look too bad. All of a sudden, maybe going to Luton was a difficult place, and maybe we actually did okay to sort of get out of Dodge with a point. Um, But as it turned out, you know, you've got to credit Arsenal, I suppose, in midweek to go there and do what they did and sort of keep fighting tooth and nail to the death. And the Declan Ice factor as well at that point looked like it had paid off big time.
6: Well, you know, I'd said in the pre season, Chloe, that. For £100 million, I wasn't sure that there was £100 million worth of improvement to add to Arsenal's sides with Declan Rice, but actually that's a that's a handful of really important goals he's already cropped up with and that could be one way in which he should sort of start to pay that fee back for the deal.
7: Yeah, um, he's obviously a, a, a brilliant, and he was the best in the in the market to be perfectly honest. City also wants them, but we ain't gonna pay that much money. Uh, surprisingly, I wonder why. Um, so yeah, Arsenal managed to get the 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 deal done, and to be perfectly honest, he's, he's been boss for them. He's came up with some big goals. Um, he's all over the pitch. He balances their midfield a lot better as well. I mean, you think about it. If it's him not playing, it's probably Jorginho in that role, and that is just the the, the worlds apart, aren't they, in terms of their ability now? So, so um, yeah, it was for me. I was just I was frustrated with Luton because the foul I actually the gave away. Foul just, just runs in. him is
2: ridiculous. Yeah,
7: there's, like the ball, they're in their own half. Arsenal are in their own half, with they're back to your goal. Just. Either make him bring it down or he's got to get a flick on it and there's no one behind you just going out for a throwing. But instead, it's the, we've not been here before. We might get a point against Arsenal, massive. And he's just, his adrenaline, he's just decided to make one stupid foul. Uh, and instantly when, when that happened, I said, yeah, they're him from this because sometimes when you're so stupid, you get the consequences you deserve for it. Yeah. Um, and that was their consequence, Luton. It's just, just Eddie. It's
6: yeah. Luton. Yeah. If you can't head away long looped balls into the box, then there's nothing down for you. I The thing that get, gets me about the whole looting thing is every time I watch them, I can't figure out how they got into the Premier League, mm. and I can't figure out why they're not getting absolutely annihilated five 0 by everyone every single week. The only players who look like actual footballers who play for them is Ross Barkley, who looked looked brilliant actually mm. in both in both games, and obviously Andros Townsend will just 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 jump ahead, obviously uh, gets an assist for the goal at the weekend as well. Um, but like they can't control the ball; they've got it's that it's that very pro-evo-y thing where you've got some lads who are dead fast but they've got no touch whatsoever you've got lads who are big but have got zero pace yeah. um, and then you've got a bunch of lads who just are just are just seem like generic footballers but you know they've taken points off us and they gave just they gave City and Arsenal hell to hellish games. yeah game.
2: I, I got, I'm, I'm the same as you I look at them and think oh, what the hell like how it's got to come down to the old school stadium and mm. you know players nowadays just aren't used to top tier players aren't used to playing in those type of atmospheres when the crowd's right on top of you doesn't matter if there's 20,000 less than normal they're all big sort of bowls and the fans are too far away from, from the from the players and stuff it's just a gnarly little atmosphere at Luton where I just think it shocks teams a little bit to be honest with you and they're sort of riding that wave at home aren't they where they think because of the ground because of the fans and our Close they are that they can get something out of it, and they just they're just playing on belief more than anything. And you know, nearly two big results, but not quite. Unfortunately mm. for us,
6: um, in terms of big results, though, let's start. Um, Chloe Bloxham midweek. Villa at home, Manchester City. Um, so we were in the, in this studio and it was on post match. So it was like obviously the, the second half was on post match. So I remember trying to do the post match content with kind of like one eye on the telly. Um, Side well, eye, isn't it? yeah, hundred percent. Particularly when they hit the post, like I nearly, yeah, it was nearly game over. The table nearly went in the lot. Um, Villa were brilliant. Villa absolutely battered City.
7: Yeah, um, we all know what Villa's Town form record. is like Unai Emery, boss manager, the philosophy they're playing, they're really entertaining to watch. Um, and he's improved a lot of the players, you know, the, the likes of John McGinn, Bailey on that right wing. He's making these players brilliant. He's improving them. Um, and like you mentioned there, there's not many times, in fact, I, I think I've hardly ever seen Manchester City get played off a park. Uh, but Aston Villa did that to them. Um, obviously, the, they still had a couple of chances here and there, but they're always going to do that. It's Manchester City. Um, but... Aston Villa, like my way the the up there for the reason, um, and it's because they can give absolutely anyone a game. And going into those two games, both Manchester City and Arsenal, I fancy Aston Villa for both, both of them. And there's you know a year and a half ago, that's never the case. Um, so yeah, fair play to them. And uh, I obviously I was at Sheffield, so I couldn't fully see the game. Um, but all of the stats that everyone talked about, how poor City were and how this isn't the same City that we all know of, um, and Aston. Villa have done us a, a little favour there, but they also need to do us a favour when we go there. Hmm. Just lose against us, please. Thank yeah,
6: you. Yeah, Chloe mentions the stats, Dan. Um... Two shots, two shots on target for City yeah. to twenty-two and seven for Villa. As much as City had
0: just the possession, fifty-four
6: percent.
2: That's nothing for them.
6: Yeah, mm.
0: yeah. No, it was a mauling. It absolutely was a mauling. Pretty much from start to finish. I think City's last shot was in like the eleventh minute or something. That just like that. Like that just doesn't happen for Manchester City, does it? You know, certainly not of this ilk um, under Pep Guardiola. It's, it's frightening. And all credit, you know, Clive rightly says Manchester City might not be firing all cylinders. Not exactly purring at the minute. I think it's fair to say. However, Aston Villa. Just getting applauded for me for this one. Absolutely outstanding. Unai Emery continues to sort of defy the odds a little bit, albeit 1-11, to 11, the Villa squad on paper, is a pretty good Premier League football squad. Mm-hmm. It's definitely punching above its weight right now. Yes. And certainly doing that to Manchester City is punching well above its weight. Because, But he has this knack. We've seen it in Champions League. We've seen it with Villarreal. Real Real. We've seen it with Sevilla previously. He's an incredibly,
6: incredibly gifted manager. He's really smart. We'll, we'll jump back to Villa in a second. I just want to focus on Man City more than anything uh-huh. because, Chris, that was a game where no Rodri, no Doku, no Grealish in addition to Kevin De Bruyne as well. And, you know, we've seen it with Liverpool a lot where there's a tipping point where you take too many good players out of a side and then they really start to struggle. And that really felt like it. Because on paper, I mean, again, it was still Haaland, Foden, Alvarez. Rico Lewis has been a good player for them so far. Bernardo Silva... Akanji, Stones, Guardiola, Diaz, Walker, Edison, but yeah. Once you get beyond that, that was that yeah, was that was, that uh, was the dilemma. You're
2: missing the magic, aren't you? In mm. in the side, ultimately, and I think any team would struggle with that, of course. But I, of course, of course, they've not been at it. But I'm with Dan. I, I just think Aston Villa have been so good, and there's a wider conversation away from the games that interests me more than than that is, and it's more like. this is what a manager can do a good manager you don't need 300 million 500 million a billion pounds to create a good Premier League side and I think we're all guilty of thinking that's the case you know I was sat here on the podcast a minute ago and saying I think Liverpool need to sign a player if they want to win the league this season and yet I also think Liverpool are good enough to win the league and we're all sort of trained by Sky Sports to think like that aren't we but you know Unai Emery I'm sure he's spent money but he's not spent Chelsea money and you know, I think for all the talk of like Evertonians, Toffee TV and everyone talking every week about, you know, are we, we're allowed to spend our money. Just get the right man in charge and focus on producing a good football side and stop whinging about we don't have the money or we've got money and all this. Aston Villa were in the league, what, three years ago? Mm. Look at them now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did 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 they do it with a billion pounds? No, they did it by just going about the business the right way and trying to build a side that works.
6: Yeah, no, absolutely. The city stuff, though, Chloe, They um, it's really interesting watching them go through this. And let's tie it into the, the weekend's game as well, because again, they get over the line at Luton, but did it go down? You know, and they and they have to dig deep to find a way. Erling Haaland picked up a little while. Well, apparently, he's been carrying a stress fracture in his foot, which is why he was out. He should be back for that but I mean again for them they'll see that as a note of encouragement of him being able to drop out and still get the win but um, they just don't feel invincible and I think that's the most encouraging thing for them because this is now two spells in the season where they've had a little Mm dip Uh, the first one was the the absence of Rodri for three or four games and they were awful for it and then this one obviously he's he's dipped out of it as well but they just feel yeah they just don't feel like it's nailed on that they're going to steamroll at everyone they come up against
3: cheers to paul and to the team for that one next up it's jerno inside time then again i was missing for this one i had a couple of days off i think well earned i think we all agree but dan was more than able to fit in and uh, sorry well to fill in and have a good chat with neil jones this week spoke about the matip injury what Liverpool may or may not do in his absence We had to check out what the guys had to say about that
0: we'll move on to transfers then uh, according to team talk this is Liverpool hope to have the upper hand over Arsenal when they make their play to sign mm. Fulham midfielder Jao Pallini in January and a lot has been said about Jao Pallini obviously the report goes on to say Liverpool have already held talks with the representatives of the Fulham defensive midfielder um, the Portuguese I guess I meant say international but it doesn't we'll prefer him to stay in I don't know, like just the Portuguese the that's the whole Portugal, know, yeah, that's the, awful the isn't it? and that is literally copied and pasted from the report that's on me um, we'll prefer him to say in the Premier League rather than the move abroad um, his club won around 60 million so he very nearly went to Bayern Munich as we saw we all seen him dejected leaving Bayern airport or Munich airport rather um, yeah. 60 million even in the around that to me Neil he's 28 now it will be 29 but by the time next summer comes around I don't know
1: about this no I don't think they'll sign him I, I mean listen they would have signed, tried to sign him in January uh, in the summer sorry if they wanted to he was available clearly the, Um 28. They signed a 30-year-old. They're not going to sign a 28-year-old for three times that figure um, at this stage. Look, he's a, he's a, he's an excellent player. He's an excellent defensive midfielder as well. He's he's very much that guy that you know. If you want to destroy you want someone to win tackles and be strong and, and and you know break up play. There aren't many better than him around in, in the Premier League at this moment in time. Um, no, I, I don't think Liverpool will be be signing him. I, I think Bayern Munich, you know very much missed out on a, not just him but a few others in um, in the summer I expect them to be the front of that queue um, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Liverpool or Arsenal actually I know there was there was an, um, a link with them as well I wouldn't expect either of those two to be going and splashing no, out agree. plus million for, for a player like him
0: no I tend to agree it's more down to the age profile I think if he was 21-22 we might yeah. have a different conversation
1: yeah absolutely and you know obviously he joined Fulham last summer for what 20 million I think um, and there was just some links with Liverpool it might have made some more sense then yeah. you know getting get him direct from Sport and he's, he's gone on there you know he's look, he's, he's done nothing but further his reputation in the Premier League and he, it's not a case of he's not good enough to make a difference to, to the Liverpool squad but having gone and spent the money on Endo and we saw Klopp talking about Endo and why, why Liverpool chose to sign him and you know how they, how they came to, to land upon him I'm pretty sure in amongst that process, they would have landed somewhere along the possibility of Palenia, and they've turned it down in the summer, so I don't expect them to change that in in January no I, I quite agree um,
0: Maximilian Bayer or Bayer yeah. um, I apologise either way um, yeah heavily linked actually Liverpool in recent weeks I've seen a lot of this going around the first time I've really addressed it to be honest because it felt initially like one of them that might sort of come and go but as I say it has hung around um, Florian Plettenberg is the latest to touch on it earlier on this week uh, mentions Liverpool's interest mentions a release clause of 30 million euros this is for the summer as opposed to January many top clubs interested and as I say his name has been doing around quite a lot he's 21 and he also goes on to say he will definitely leave Hoffenheim next summer so interesting one in terms of his profile very much centre forward played a little bit on the left wing but we are talking a very little bit six goals and four assists in the Bundesliga Liverpool have a decent track record of signing lads from Hoffenheim this <laughs> right here, so right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what were you saying about this one? Yeah well,
1: listen look I want to keep an eye on I think you know I, I, can't, I can't profess to know anything about him as a player he hasn't he hasn't been one I've seen Play, um, but if you're 21, and you're scoring goals in the Bundesliga and, and you know decent level. I know it's not six goals and four assists, but you're you, you, you're doing okay in, in double figures in, in in goal contributions in the Bundesliga in a in a side that isn't one of the powerhouses. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, you know I'm I'm, I'm would be amazed if many top clubs aren't sort of keeping an eye on, on his progress I mean the interesting one is that he's a centre forward you know obviously Liverpool have committed very much to, to Darwin Nunez they've obviously got Cody Gakpo pushing to, to start games and actually pushing pretty hard at the moment yeah. I think in the way he's been playing um, you've still got Diogo Jota of course there but it is one isn't it that your five your five forwards you know I think adding a young one in there mm. wouldn't be the the craziest decision you know you've seen as soon as Jota gets injured all of a sudden it does feel a little bit more tight around around those forward areas so maybe maybe yeah you know if you could add a young one i know ben Doak's emerging as a as a wide player but if you if you're talking about forwards you know a center forward to to come on it might it might be one that does it especially if you've got a release clause yeah. that makes it easier to do but i think i think Liverpool won't be um would be the only club we were noticing a young player scoring goals in one of the one of the top European leagues
0: no absolutely yeah but I think you're right I think he's one of them with that release clause of 30 million euros Liverpool and indeed other clubs will be looking at that going he's a brilliant prospect and he might only cost us what's that 25 million quid give or take so yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a no brainer if he is indeed as talented it's, as I mean listen
1: still a lot of money isn't of it yeah, 21 year olds you know it's it's certainly an unproven player, but I think it's one of them that I watch him brief and just see how he how he's developing and if yeah. he if he's got the skill set. You know, I think to play for Liverpool you'd need to have certain um, characteristics. I think probably being a bit versatile might be ideal actually. But um, if you score goals, if you've got a bit of physicality, if you can press, if you can you know link the play you'll be in the Liverpool's hitting zone, definitely. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I um, want to touch on one more, um, and it's not really a transfer, but it isn't, it isn't in essence. Um, Joel Massa's injury has brought about more questions regarding defensive reinforcements, essentially. But uh, before we go into that, there's obviously a lot of talk about his future out of contract at the end of this season. As we know, Jürgen Klopp addressed it briefly in his press conference, mm-hmm. basically putting it
1: on the owner's toes and saying, yeah, give me a new yeah, deal yeah. or else. Um, what did you make of all that? Yeah, I mean... I, I, I thought that yeah, he put it on the owner's toes a little bit um, it would be it would be sad because he's going to be out until after his contract expires you know probably September you're looking at, at earliest really aren't you nine, nine eight nine month recovery period for for, um, for an ACL and then obviously it's probably you're looking at maybe a month or two after that even before you, you're ready to play or starting yeah. to start games so it would be sad and disappointing from from, you know the whole perspective really both from the the players perspective but also from the the Liverpool fans that Joel Matip's sort of last moment was limping off Mm -hmm. or being helped off at at Anfield in a a game in December Um, the suggestion would be I suppose would be a a year's extension wouldn't it and let him complete his rehab and hopefully get back to to playing in, in that period obviously I'm guessing the terms would reflect the fact that you know he's not he's not a starting player or he's not you know he's not available to start at the, at the beginning of that contract so I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was to happen um i think klopp said to denisa we do the the decent thing or the right thing the right thing yeah the right thing um yeah if they don't then they, they haven't done, they, You know, they haven't, they've done the wrong thing haven't they so yeah. um yeah, I think the manager would, if he had this way, I think Joel would get a new contract for the year yeah. at least. Yeah, I think mean, there's a lot of heart in that. Um, but there's
0: a more ruthless side to all this, isn't it? Because, you know, 32 now, yeah, 33, yeah. Yeah, be 33 by the time. 33 by the time
1: he's back. Yeah, yeah so. August, next year, yeah. Business-wise? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and to be honest, I, take the injury out of the equation, I wouldn't give him a new contract if he was fit now. Mm-hmm. I, I would say Liverpool, no, that, that's, that's your sort of... That's your ceiling of him I think it's a little bit different when he when it's a, you, yeah. you're sending a player out there that's gotten you know he, he, you're talking maybe six months without the club. You, you're condemning him to. Uh, he's got injured on obviously representing your club. So I think maybe the the heart element to it might might override the logical sort of business yeah. sense but I don't think it'll be like a, it's not going to be a four year contract on you know 150 grand a week it's going to be more of a you know let's say it's an appearance based one or a you know a, a, an incremental one that look if you get back and you hit these targets then you know I mean we, we, we'll give you the reward accordingly but I think maybe it's just a little bit of a security one for, for Matthew that you're not going to be on the scrappy for 32 you know looking around after coming back from an ACL thinking, right, where's my next club? Um but it's just, yeah, it's it's terrible for him. <laughs> him more yeah. so because he was playing well. Obviously he'd he was one of the sort of surprise packages of the season, wasn't he? I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, myself included, felt he'd reached the end of his shelf life and he hadn't. Mm-hmm. And then just when he sort of back established as, you know, first choice yeah. centre back, he he gets that in In a nothing challenge as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It was his shirt um, for the the most part recently. He's been absolutely outstanding. Again, (laughs) I didn't see it coming. Uh, I felt like we might have seen the best of Joel Massive, but he continues to defy um, logic, essentially. Certainly when it comes back (laughs) to injuries, (laughs) he's outstanding. But yeah, I think you're right. I was being a bit tongue-in-cheek. I think he does deserve that new contract. The club should do right by him, absolutely, and at least allow him to sort of get back to fitness, get up and running again. Um, What it Mm. does also lead to is the question about January, of course, because I think... I wasn't expecting him to get a new deal either, regardless of his form, potentially. I always expected him to sort of be allowed to leave. I think the injury does change changed that slightly. But there was always a question about, do we then go and replace him? That would have been the summer. Now the talk is January. There's a couple of interesting elements to this. Of course, you can enter the market. And there's also a conversation around Reese Williams, who is yet to play for Aberdeen yeah. up north of the border. And that Phillips, who has just started playing recently, but he's yeah. not in the best of
1: times. No, yeah, this, this went one at the weekend, didn't he, with the own goal? Um... Yeah, I think Jürgen's quotes were were sort of instructive, really, on on Friday, wasn't it, before the Palace game, he he said, yeah, you know, in the the ideal world, you just go and buy a a top-class centre-back, but who's going to sell us one in the middle of the season? It has to be the right player, blah, blah, blah. That's what we've been saying, really, on on shows, you know, if you can bring forward one that you were going to buy in the summer, and he's suddenly available, and and there's no... no, um, there is a chance that they will. You know, we we always say it going into January it's a tough market and it's mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But you can you can find them. You know, Liverpool have done it many many times in the past where they found a player in a tough market. You know, yep. Van Dijk, Coutinho, Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, um, Daniel Sturridge. They've done it many many times. So that's the, that's the challenge this time. I think is it, it, you know is there a player that you want for the long term that's available in January? Mm-hmm. I, I would unless more players go down injured than you get to the stage where you've only got one or two fit centre halves for months I don't see them making a sort of a a stopgap sign and where they go oh let's go and get Ozenka back Mm -hmm. Um, the Williams and Phillips ones they've done it before obviously without being cruel if you're not getting an Aberdeen's team at this moment in time and Aberdeen are not having the best of times themselves Mm -hmm what what help are you going to give to Liverpool at, at that stage you know it would be a massive ask for Reese Williams to spend six months or well, five months on the sidelines yeah. up in Scotland and then come in and be ready to play Premier League Europa League latter stages games Nat I think Nat's only till January isn't yes, it his, his yeah, thing. So ago, let me, yeah. Nat's probably more likely to be able to do that mm-hmm. and it, the way his career's panned out you wouldn't back, bank on him you know, you you know, said so you wouldn't bet against him coming back and being man of the match in the Europa League final or <laughs> something like that. You know, he just seems to have those kind of weird um turnarounds. Mm. I'd I'd be looking at Williams coming back and then going back somewhere else on yeah. loan, um as opposed to going into the first team. Phillips if he was coming into the first team, I think it would just have to be very much emergency cover because mm. he's been he was there at the start of the season and Liverpool let him go out on loan. Um he hasn't played too much since he's obviously not long-term Liverpool's plans but at least he's at least he's got the game I think to just do a job for Liverpool I think think Williams Williams clearly you know needed the loan to go well and he's had unfortunately for him his last three have gone pretty poorly you know he's had Swansea he's had Blackpool he's had Aberdeen he's not really had much luck with any of them so I think he needs he needs to go and play somewhere else at this moment in time yeah 100%
0: yeah and just finally on this if it was on you what would you be doing in January you I get it,
1: for... I'd buy, no I'd buy one I'd buy yeah. a new centre back I'd, I'd be listen I'm sure Liverpool will be across a lot of situations who, who might be available I'm sure they'll have a list of, of centre backs that they feel is are good enough I'd be, I'd be working through that list and trying to find one that's available in January most definitely I, I think I think they're short I I think they were short you know Kwanzaa has helped in the start of the season massively because he's emerged and I think you've got to give him the credence that he's potentially a a first team player but you look at the options they've got Jürgen can say they've got four centre backs but one of them's playing right back Mm -hmm. one of them has played two Premier League games and and obviously Kanate is a player that's a huge upside but also a downside that he doesn't often play a long run of games you know he's, I think he's only met twice reached six for Liverpool in a row six starts he's had problems this season where he's had to be withdrawn from France squad he's been uh, pulled up in a in a warm-up over in Toulouse you know he's had he, he didn't hasn't started games I mean he didn't start at the weekend for example mm-hmm. Um I, I think the, the four that you've got can quickly become two or or less um, so I would buy one personally. Yeah. And I think it would make a big difference to Liverpool. And also what you do, the other thing is Mattip frees up a space in the squad as well. You yes. can take him out of the, the Europa League squad and the Premier League squad now without it being, you know, an absolute affront to him. You know, he's not going to be available for the rest of the season, so you've got the space there to, to do it if you have the opportunity and I think I would be doing everything I could but I say that every January and you know no, I I'm, just, I'm just me
0: no, I agree with you um, for what it's worth Yeah, I'm in the same boat to be honest and the Canardi sort of especially sort of raises that for my liking because it looks like Liverpool are managing his minutes now more than ever to be honest um, like we had to do with Matic previously
3: yeah, we'll certainly keep an eye on this your stuff's been up and down, as not we? will see where it goes Neil seems to think not, hopefully well, hopefully he's wrong, Liverpool could do with another player, but yeah, anyway, we'll we'll cross the January transfer bridge when we get to it, right then, let's move ahead to the last clip I want to bring you, that is from today's opposition preview Liverpool v Man United this weekend, I was delighted to be joined by Beth from the United stands to have a look ahead to the game, so yeah check out what Beth had to say about the Manx. Right then, Beth. Let's let's look ahead then to the weekend, Liverpool versus Manchester United at Anfield. We all know what happened last time. It hasn't been pretty for Man United at Old Trafford, obviously. The Sevens, but there's been other games. Where, like Jesse Lingard is the last Man United player to score at Anfield, and that was five years ago. It has not been a happy hunting ground for United, and compared to eras of past, even when you know, United were on top it was never easy but United would still pick up results at Anfield your Juan Matters and your Wayne Rooney's and your John O'Shea's it's been a long time since you guys have had any of that so looking forward to Sunday Is the have you got any hope of, of one of those type of performances or are you more worried about that? the fact that you know there's been a couple of Haydans really and that could be on the cards again <laughs>
8: Yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried. I, I think anybody would be silly not to be worried. I'm really, really worried, especially after last year. I mean, if 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 I've said this and it's so unfortunate I'm saying this as a Man United fan, but I think if it's over three, it's just complete embarrassment. Again, like we can't go over three. Anfield is a really tough place to go for any team. You've not lost a game at Anfield all season and our away record against the top six is terrible. So, and we've not even drawn a game this season yet. So when you look at it, you think that it does not look like a good a good outcome for Man United. The only sh- shred of positivity I have is that I feel like last season we went into Anfield away, we were actually in quite a good position in the league and I think Man United fans were probably overly confident and Man United themselves were probably overly confident and we went there and I don't think we were as cautious as we should have been I don't think we give Liverpool enough respect as what we should have and we I mean we gotta hide in let's be honest like 7-0 is ridiculous it's like this year we're going in with such low expectations and the team I think the team will be put out there if Erickton Haag isn't silly we'll put out there to try and concede as little as possible and if you can nick a goal you can nick a goal that'll be the way that we set up so that gives me a little bit more hope that we're going to go into it with obviously a lot of respect for Liverpool and we're going to go into it with less expectation. So maybe we could get something from that. But I'm going to be honest, I I just don't see anything but a Liverpool win. I've already predicted a 3-1 Liverpool win. Maybe we can nick a goal. But another slight thing is that even though you guys are top of the league and you've had some great results... I still think you're not at the prime, Liverpool, that you can be. Like you have been lucky in certain circumstances. You make your own luck, but you've had some good comebacks. I mean, the Crystal Palace game, are you getting sent off? Was it was with, with a big help for you guys? Like you have had them sort of I think like you've not exactly gone out and, and battered teams this season. We will probably be the first one. So <laughs> I do think you will you will beat us, but they're the only kind of shreds of positivity I'm holding on to right now
3: we're recording this for clarity by the Eric Ten Hag hasn't had this press conference ahead of the game yet but we mm. saw the other day Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire both went off injured you, you've also Lindelof is is touching over Rand's been touching go as well there's there's other injuries you've mentioned before Mount I think Rashford who knows been Bruno's
8: suspended
3: that, we'll, we'll touch upon that in a moment Casemiro what what type of Man United team are we going to get because if you were trying to predict Ten Hag's 11 now let's presume uh, Shaw and Maguire out. If you ran through it, how would you see him lining his team up?
8: I'm scared to death of, of this lineup, honestly. So I think in goal it will be Anana, which again, the crowd are gonna be on him because he's been he's been he's been poor, let's be honest. Right back, I think he'll have to go Wambasaka. Centre backs
3: Evans and Varan.
8: It'll be Evans and Varan. It'll be Evans and Varan. Left back, now this is the one where we're gonna get ripped. Regular against Salah. No, I can't deal with it. Regulon is so poor defensively. I can't even tell you. Like, he's decent going forward, but defensively he's so lightweight. Salah will literally have him on toast. Like... I hope I'm wrong, but from what I've seen, he will. So maybe be tempted to play Dallow at left back. I probably would go Dallow left back over Regulon, but even Dallow will probably get turned at a, on a new one as well. He's not been, he, he's weird with Dallow he either as a top game or he's really poor. So it just depends what you're going to get. Midfield three, I think it'll be Amrabat, Kobe Mainu, and Scott McTominay. Kobe mainu has been bright, but to chuck him in for Anfield away is, is a tough ask. Amrabat he needs all the help if he can get in there I think he's actually a decent decent player he's had a poor start but he's, he's quite a basic player but again he's been left alone in so many circumstances it's made him look worse than what he is and then McTominay okay yeah he can score a goal but on the break he's not he's not creative at all he, he can't find a three ball he's, he's not great at passing but he's got experience and he's physical. So you need to play him really. I'm just hoping maybe on the break, Kobe Mayne, you can find them passes if we get any opportunity. Then the front three, I reckon it'll be Anthony on the right, which isn't much threat for you guys. <laughs> um, Hoyland up front and it'll be probably Ganacho on the left, but I wouldn't be surprised if he brings Rashford back in because of obviously, you know, that Rashford and Trent kind of matchup that we've seen. But Garnaccio, I think, could be a threat. I think the only thing that, that, that you have to worry about Trent is you want to keep him pinned back because of how good he is going forward. Obviously, defensively, we know he's, he, he has his frailties, but going forward, he's so good that you need a winger that's going to try and keep him on his toes a little bit. So, Ganacho or Rashford are toss-up, but I'd go with Ganacho, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ten Hag threw Rashford back in there.
3: You touched upon it earlier, about missing Bruno Fernandes, now the captain, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not a Man United fan, so I'm going to ask you this question. But if my captain got himself booked on four yellow cards for the centre in a game, we get beat at 3 0 with our biggest rivals away from home, the next game, I personally would have been like absolutely fuming. There's a lot of Liverpool fans that are here, Beth, just think he's jibbed it off, like he just didn't fancy it, and he's got himself a yellow card. But what's been the Man United reaction to that? Listen, it's in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest problem in the world, Man United have got. But he's the he's the captain and now he's got himself suspended for, for the Anfield game. Has the reaction been quite critical of him? Because from my point of view, it probably needs to be.
8: I think a lot of people are frustrated with it. Yeah. I and mean, do you know what it is? I was I was watching the game in old Old Trafford, the Bournemouth game, and it was weird because the first goal that Bournemouth scored came from Bruno Fernandes ducking out of a tackle because he knew he was on a yellow, like he purposely pulled out of it. So f- from the start of the game, he I could see him. Bruno Fernandes is always into everything, like he is. He is that sort of player, but he was he was ducking out of challenges because he was scared of getting a yellow card. You could see it. So then what was weird to me is you get booked for dissent when you know you're going to get booked for dissent. Like that is a thing now. He's, he's been booked for dissent numerous times before. He knows it's going to happen. That is his personality. What I think happened is I honestly don't think he was purposely trying to miss the Liverpool game. I just don't think that's his character. What I do think is he lost his head. And 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 that's 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 it. He lost his head. He was losing 3-0 to, to Bournemouth and he lost his head. That is a Man United captain can't happen, especially when you've got Liverpool away. So he needs to be criticized for that. But myself was looking at it because it got to like, I don't know, the 75th, 80th minute and we were losing 3-0 and you know the game's gone. We didn't like scoring a goal and we definitely weren't going to score two or three. So, even for if we we would have needed to win the game, but we weren't even going to draw it. You could tell. And I'm saying, I can see Bruno's getting hotter and hotter and hotter because this is his personality. And United fans, you, it, you've you got to deal with it. This is just the way he is. And you could see it. And I was saying in the crowd, I was saying, Ten Hag, take him off, take him off. We've got Anfield away, take him off. He makes three subs. He brings Donny van der Beek, in, which shows he knows the game's gone himself. He makes three subs. He doesn't bring Bruno off. And I'm like, he's on a yellow. If he gets a yellow, he's suspended. Anfield, if I'm saying it. it Loads of people in the crowd say, "Bring him off." He doesn't do it. We can all see it's going to happen. He gets. But sometimes I felt like the manager needs to step in, see the player is losing his head, and make that decision for him. And the fact Ten Hag didn't do that, that really made me question him because I'm like, "Have you just not seen that, or what is the reasoning behind that?" So that annoyed me with Ten Hag. It annoyed me with Bruno as well because you know Anfield away is coming up, and you need to keep yourself together but he did just fly off the handle. I don't think he purposely did it, but it is frustrating because he is our only creative outlet. No matter what you think of Bruno, he can have some poor games. People say he doesn't turn up against the big teams, but he's our best creative outlet. And I think on his day, our best player. So to miss him, it is... I look at that team, I think there's no creativity in it at all, even if we do get a chance, really. But maybe it'll... The only thing I can think is we are going there to try and defend. And Bruno does give the ball away quite often, trying things. So maybe it'll help us keep the ball when we do have it. But I'd, I'd rather have Bruno any day than, than not have him. So it's, it's
3: frustrating. Well, I usually end by asking for predictions, but you kind of dropped it in before. You said 3-1, which is you know optimistic considering you don't score around field. So there, there, might, there might be something in that one for you. But really, thank you so much for jumping on to join us. it been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks to Beth, thanks to everybody who appeared on the show, and thanks to you guys for listening to it. Like I say, RedmenPlus.com is the place to go if you want those shows in full, either in video and podcast forms each and every week. One quick message again before we head off. Just want to let you guys know, you've already probably seen that our tickets for our island tour is on sale now. Go to Ticketmaster.ie. Search TV if you want tickets to come and see us in either Dublin or Over in Belfast, Northern Ireland However, we've also added the third day to a show This time it is in London Yes, we are playing the Indigo at the O2 On April 24th next year Those tickets are available right now If you go to our social accounts You can find us on Twitter You can find us on Facebook You can find us on Instagram Just search for the Redmen TV You'll find the links for the tickets there as well So yeah, Redmen live in London Indigo at the O2 Which is actually, I think it's the biggest venue New we will have ever done a live show so it's pretty daunting but we hope you can see you there as well elsewhere if you want to just search for the tickets yourselves if you just go to aegpresents.co.uk that's aegpresents.co.uk you'll find us there for searching on us but yeah redmond live it'll be me Paul, Chris the entire team plus a very special musician who we will announce shortly tickets are on sale now come and see us live in London we'll have an absolute belt of time by the time April comes around the pool probably hopefully have already won the league cup We'll be on their way to winning the FA Cup and the Europa League and the Premier League as well. So come and join us for what is going to be hopefully a huge, huge celebration. Loads of red men, well, nonsense and shenanigans really. Some music from a very special guest. So yeah, tickets are available now for that one and the island shows as well. We can't wait to meet as many of you guys as possible. Since the pandemic, we haven't been able to get out and about too much. This is the first time we've probably been able to do it without any fears. Touch wood of anything going wrong. So... Do go and get your tickets for that one, and make sure you carry on tuning into everything Red Men. We've got you covered ahead of the Man United game. We've got loads of content pre-game, post-game, and everything in between the game itself on the Watch Long on YouTube, and everything else you love about Liverpool Football Club and the Red Men TV combined this weekend. So yeah, thanks for listening. Go and check out the, all the amazing content, and we'll be back with another weekly next week. See you all soon. When the Lexus IS went all in on the sports sedan, people noticed. Whether it's the iconic IS, the unapologetically aggressive IS F-Sport, or the envy-inducing IS-500 F-Sport performance, the IS line is all in on stylish interiors, sleek exteriors, and unadulterated exhilaration. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.